Russia this week escalated its provocations of the United States following terror in the air with terror on the high seas as it very nearly creates a crash between two naval vessels. President Trump, of course, raced to America's defense. There was no collision. I've been saying that all along. No collision with Russia. Everybody knows that. My friend Vlad has told me that he would never do such a thing. It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio. I'm David Leventhal. Thank you for joining us. Sorry, I expect that by the time most of you are hearing this, you'll have already heard that joke about no collision a whole bunch of times. I want to assure you that I'm recording this shortly after it happened, so I have not heard that joke made, but let's face it, it's kind of the joke that makes itself. Anyway, thanks for joining us uh, on the show. On today's show, another edition of Mr. Bean Goes to Europe and Cuts a Swath Through Europe. Uh, But first, uh, a couple of items in the news that we can't avoid. Uh, First off, of course, there was another mass shooting. Excuse me, I'm sorry, while I yawn. Yeah, another mass shooting, 12 dead, blah, 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 blah. So, of course, the Republican-led Senate is rushing to protect... Okay, uh, can't even finish that joke. The Senate is doing nothing. The House is looking to pass, actually, bills that will go absolutely nowhere, but at least Democrats are talking about the issue. Republicans, of course, will do absolutely nothing. They do absolutely nothing when loads of school children get murdered by people with guns they shouldn't have. In this case, it was civil servants. You sure as hell can't expect Republicans to rise to the defense of civil servants, since basically all that they're about is attacking civil civil servants. Any chance they get, try saying that three times fast. Also in the news, though, you've probably heard this as well. We've passed the thousand mark that a thousand federal or former federal prosecutors who have signed the letter saying that the president of the United States is a criminal saying that Donald Trump would be indicted, that that prosecutor who signed over a thousand of them would have indicted Donald Trump were he not the president of the United States for the crimes outlined in the Mueller report, the several examples, among other things, of obstruction of justice. Is this a big deal that more than a thousand former federal prosecutors have now signed this letter saying that the president of the United States is a criminal? Yes, it's a very big deal. It's a very big deal for a whole lot of reasons. One, because that's actually a really high number. There aren't all that many federal prosecutors out there, former federal prosecutors. Most of them run for political office, so this is just not really an option for most of them. It is against code for federal prosecutors to really do this. They don't usually meddle. They don't state their opinions in other cases. So this is obviously prompted by a strong belief that this is something that needs to be addressed. And the over a thousand signatures already belong to both Democratic and Republican 
former prosecutors, presumably on the Republican side, those who aren't planning on running for political office anytime soon. So the question now comes up, how many signatures would be necessary in order for Democrats to grow a pair? How many signatures would be necessary indicating that President Trump is a criminal and needs to be impeached to prompt the Democrats to actually institute impeachment hearings? You have the prosecutors asking for it, talking about it being necessary. You have the sphinx-like special counsel Robert Mueller, former special counsel Robert Mueller, coming as close as his sphinx-like nature would allow him, apparently, to actually ask Congress to impeach the President of the United States. And yet, the Democrats dither. I say again, as I've said before on this show, I understand their concern about the politics and their focus, hopefully laser-like, on winning the 2020 elections. Speaker Nancy Pelosi is very smart. She's very political. But it is hard to imagine that the Democrats help their chances by once again demonstrating that they utterly lack balls or conviction or the ability to, in any way, shape, or form, stand up for what they supposedly believe in. Impeach the son of a bitch and start the impeachment proceedings now. Anyway, recently I had a chance to go into the city and I was on the Long Island Railroad. And I was touched by something I saw. There was a sign right across from where I was standing. And I got to look at True Heroes, it was entitled. True Heroes. And it showed a picture of a boy. I don't know how old. Eight, ten years old, something like that. Showed a picture of a boy taking his garbage and throwing it into a garbage can. Really inspiring, isn't it? In fact, there was print next to the picture of throw out your trash or something like that and I gotta tell you I'm kind of aggravated by this this sign really bothers me Uh, be a hero throw out your trash this is how we've dumbed down America this is how we have lowered the bar for civic responsibility Seriously, how about the signs that say, fuck you, you little shit, throw out your own garbage? How about those signs? How about the fact that asking people to clean up after themselves doesn't make them a hero? It just makes them not a piece of shit. Anyway, we need to keep our eye on true heroes out there because there are examples of it, no matter how hard we try to define this down. I was heading into the city last weekend in part to watch a former student of mine and scores of fellow women and dancers get together in Central Park to stage a protest and to create a video, a dance video, protesting the recent decisions, the recent curtailment of abortion access across this country. These people are heroes. This was put together kind of last minute. There were some, something approaching 100 women who got there. They were there for hours. They were doing dance routines. They were drawing attention to themselves. And they were filming videos that could be seen on YouTube with the title, Our Bodies, Our Choice, Our Fundamental Rights. On Instagram, it can be found at the, uh, at the Instagram 
location of the organizer, my former student, it's freaking buttons without a G it's freaking buttons. And it is worth a watching. It is remarkably well produced, well choreographed, well done, and obviously in support of a really important cause. And I am reminded that unlike children actually taking care of their own garbage without feeling the right to impose their crap on everybody else, I am reminded that true heroes do more than clean up after themselves. True heroes fight for a better society. True heroes inform themselves. True heroes listen to Forward Nation Radio. Okay, that's a start. True heroes inform themselves, care, and do something about it and make a positive difference in the world. True heroes are not the people in America who a few years from now are going to be saying, don't blame me, it wasn't my fault. I might even have voted for him, but I'm stupid. I didn't know what I was doing. I don't pay attention. I don't like politics. I don't like to consider these things. Because, you know, this is this week, the 75th anniversary of D-Day, where we were fighting a war against a criminal, actual Holocaust-performing, awful regime Supported by a bunch of bunch of people who, right after the fact, said, well, don't blame me, I was misinformed. I was just spending my time watching the German equivalent of Fox News. Because a few years from now, God forbid, if this presidency continues much longer, the rest of the world is not going to accept our statements, just like most of us still will not accept that from Germans circa the 1930s. Anyway, speaking both of, of D-Day's anniversary and of defining deviancy down, um, we are a little late in putting the show out this week. Uh, maybe it's because, like uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi noted, when the President of the United States is abroad, this is not the time to criticize him. Okay, that's not really why we're doing it. Because although this is a long Hard and fast rule in American politics. It really is. It is a hard and fast rule that whenever a president is overseas, true patriotic Americans do not criticize him in front of others if he's a Republican. That's right. This is one of those many hard and fast rules that, of course, never applies to Democrats, where Obama could be criticized all the time including for not having a birth certificate, when he's overseas. But God forbid any Democrat ever try to criticize even a jackass like President Trump when he's overseas because, gosh, that shows a lack of patriotism. Anyway, President Mr. Bean was bounding across Europe, <laughs> so to speak, on, the, on and around the 75th anniversary of D-Day, emulating his German forebears, cutting a swath through Europe, burning the place down as they went, where the President of the United States was in Europe representing the United States of America. God help us. And he wasn't representing me. That's for damn sure. But Trump began his trip in England and Great Britain, continuing to define deviancy, deviancy down. We are now telling ourselves that we are breathing a sigh of relief because Trump went to Europe and we're not at war with them again, which is a great celebration of D-Day. 
Yes, we are reminded, Trump actually at times appeared presidential by, you know, reading. That's right. Do you remember a couple of times where Donald Trump was able to read from prepared notes and didn't embarrass himself in the United States of America? Gosh, it just really takes me back to a time when we didn't have to hold our breath the entire time that the leader of the free world was actually speaking in front of normal people. To a time when we had an intelligent president who you didn't worry about embarrassing you, like Barack Obama or any other Democratic Democratic president we've had in my lifetime. But anyway, Trump was presidential. He was able to read. And, you know, let's let's be fair. He did not try to pussy grab the queen. That was that was also very presidential of him. I mean, to be fair, why would he try to pussy grab her? She's like only a two, you know, at best. And that's just, you know, because I remember her in her in her younger days. But, oh, in other ways, he made us so proud, like, for instance, testing the British sense of humor, okay, that subtle, droll humor of Monty Python or Benny Hill or Mr. Bean himself, you know, without the obvious intelligence that those comedians showed. The president of the United States just had them rolling in the aisles. Like, for instance, when he pointed out how much he loved Winston Churchill. Okay, insert your answer here to the question, do you think Donald Trump has any idea who Winston Churchill is or was or even that he's dead? Ah, yes, when the President of the United States made that knee slapper about having studied Winston Churchill, (laughs) the whole very idea of this president studying anything was just absolutely side-splitting. Yeah, this president whose idea of studying is scanning the first page, looking for his name in bold. Okay. While he was there, he picked a very, very, very funny fight with the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, a guy whose IQ is apparently about 100, 150 points higher than that of our president. But <laughs> this was pretty funny because the guy is a Muslim. So president starting a fight with him, that was a good one. President embarrassing himself by engaging in schoolyard taunts toward the mayor of London. Well, again, let's just remember, he is a Muslim. And then there, of course, those were there were those great moments, those those again, crowd pleasing jokes. Well, crowd pleasing. How about when Trump talked about the big crowds that were there to support him? Yes, big crowds were there supporting President Trump. It must have been the same people who were were at his inauguration who then flew to England to support President Trump. The big crowds that weren't jeering his name. The big crowds that actually thought, you know, that big blow up baby Trump in a diaper. That was actually supposed to be flattering. Those were supporters of the President of the United States. I got to tell you at this point, When I watch this, once again, I have to go to the idea that as an American, when our president goes abroad, I am really ashamed. In this case, I can't even really blame this on Trump because that big blow up inflatable baby thing in a diaper that they do in London every time he goes to London, with all due respect, that just kicks the crap out of anything we do here. 
the size of the protests there. Kick the crap out of what we do here. Seriously, we need to be shown how to protest a disgraceful U.S. president by people in London? I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm happy to take my cues wherever I can get them. But seriously, America, you need to step it up. We need our own Trump baby floats. We need our own Trump little whiner floats and whatever to follow him wherever he goes. Somebody really needs to get on that. Oh, anyway, back back to Trump side splitting while he was there. Remember when he told, he thanked Great Britain and he talked about our historic relationship and how Great Britain was our number one trading partner? That was a really nice moment where he was flattering his hosts and talking about about, I forget if it was Great Britain or England, actually. They said it was our number one trading partner, which I'm sure they were really happy to hear about, that they are our number one, number seven trading partner. Trump didn't just say you are our number one trading partner when, in fact, England is our number seven trading partner. No, no, no. He doubled down on being an asshole and facts not mattering to him at all. Not only did he say that England was our number one trading partner, he said, not a lot of people know that. But I do. <laughs> it's I watch Fox News. So it's just one of the many things that I know that not a lot of people know because it's completely not true. Obviously, the things that Donald Trump knows that are actually true, everybody else already knows. You know, like healthcare is complicated. Anyway, it wasn't just a laugh a minute lie from Donald Trump. Some of his lies weren't in the vein of just being side-splitting hilarious. Some of his BS actually mattered, like when he talked about climate change, when he pointed out how nice it was that people supported the idea of, you know, science, but that Donald Trump, the president of the United States, being an uneducated fucking moron, knows better than all the scientists who actually, you know, have data and study and know what the hell they're talking about. When he spoke in England, a place I remember still from probably 15 years ago when I visited London at a time when pretty much nobody in America was talking about climate change. Certainly no American media was. And any time you turned on British news, it was the number one story, climate change. So he goes there to tell people how they were all wrong about climate change. But also while he was there, he had a chance to talk to the Irish Prime Minister, Prime Minister of Ireland, and talked about how nice it would be, Trump being the wall builder in chief, of course, if they could just build his lovely type of wall across Ireland, the north of Ireland, before it it borders Northern Ireland. Well, to be fair to the president who just suggested drawing a border wall in one of still the great controversial political hotspots in the world, How could President Trump know about the history with Northern Northern Ireland? How could he know about the troubles and all the violence and terror that has gone on in the history regarding Northern Ireland? He obviously hasn't seen the ferryman, despite its Tony nominations. His name's not in it at all, so why would he go see it? It's not like he would have any idea what the hell has been going on in the world so that he wouldn't completely embarrass the United States of America by saying something so fucking stupid. I mean, you know, he is just the president of all you and all. You can't expect him to know what the hell he's talking about when he opens his mouth. 
But he did even get to burnish his presidential credentials with people who weren't there when he wasn't meeting with the Queen of England or the British Prime Minister and she's busy trying to kiss his ass before she left office or embarrassing himself in front of the Prime Minister of Ireland. He was still burnishing his presidential credentials by talking about all the world leaders that he's met over the years. And he talked about his good friend, Shinzo Abe, Prime Minister of Japan. I mean, only a real nitpicker would complain that he couldn't pronounce Abe's name. The guy he'd just been visiting last week and who he's supposedly good buddies with because Abe was nice enough to invite him to a state dinner just because, you know, he was the president of the United States. I mean, let's be fair. Trump giving out a shout out to his new Asian best bud. Well, this gives us an opportunity to talk about how President Snowflake outdid himself on this one. In fact, outdid David Copperfield just last week. David Copperfield, the the magician. We're reminded how President Snowflake outdid David Copperfield by making an entire U.S. ship disappear. Not only the U.S. ship, but its entire crew. Remember the ship and the crew, the USS McCain, who Donald Trump made disappear while he was in Japan. Oh, I know it wasn't him. It was just people working for him who know what a snowflake he is and who know how, knows how easily his wounded ego gets offended. But did I say his best Asian bud? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I feel bad. I probably shouldn't have said that because as much as he was talking about his good friend, Shinzo Abe, the president, the prime minister of Japan. Well, let's not forget his real Asian best bud is BFF, murderous dictator Kim Jong-un of North Korea. Well, we couldn't really forget that because while Trump was there in Europe representing the United States of America, The man he recently described as being in love with, dictator, murderous dictator Kim Jong-un of North Korea, was busy killing, apparently, some of the negotiators he had meeting with the American negotiators at the failed nuclear summit recently. Now, it's North Korea, so we don't really know what's going on. It looks like he's had one or more of them killed, although it's possible he's just shipped them off to the North Korean version of Siberia. So, yes, we are reminded, even when they're not there, who the presidents of, president of the United States' real friends are. But anyway, of course, the president of the United States' trip, unfortunately, did not end in Great Britain. No, no, he went on from there to Normandy, France, for those who are uninitiated, to celebrate the 75th anniversary of D-Day. And undoubtedly, it would be churlish of me to note, while the President of the United States was representing America at this solemn occasion, that his new BFF, the Queen of England, was there as well. And she, in fact, contributed more to her nation's wars than the President of the United States has contributed to his. Not just the fact that she actually supported the British war effort in World War II, but she's probably even paid some taxes over the years or paid some money to support the wars that she may support or not support otherwise, unlike the president of the United States, who, to be fair, was 
nice enough to show up over there, overseas, as difficult as that was for him, to celebrate those lucky enough not to be afflicted with bone spurs. That's right. President of the United States going to Normandy and watching all these people get the credit, despite despite the fact that nobody was talking about the fact that they did not have to suffer through bone spurs. But okay, while he was there, you got to give the guy some credit. He refrained, from, for instance, from talking about how both sides at D-Day were obviously composed of some very fine people. He didn't even talk about how the people at D-Day fought and died so that Donald Trump could grow up to be really, really rich, completely unaccountable, and ultimately president of the United States. He didn't make it entirely about him at all. He didn't even, he, he gave up the opportunity to bring up the fact that his, apparently this came up this week, his prenuptial agreement with his second wife, Marla Maples, pointed out that if their progeny, their offspring, Tiffany, that she would lose her support from Donald Trump if she joined the military. He didn't bring that up while he was at D-Day. You got to give the guy credit for showing some discretion there, a guy who doesn't tend to show a lot of discretion. But oh, he was able to read, and oh, how he read, uh, saying wonderful things about the importance of brotherhood and banding together and the alliance that he's busy trying to destroy when he's back home. Yes, because he read so nicely, we could forget that this man who is extolling the virtues of the alliance that that created D-Day and defeated the Nazis is working at home to destroy NATO and that alliance because he read so well. We could forget that like he almost certainly has. And because he read so presidentially, we could forget his war record and his record on not paying any of his taxes or complying with U.S. laws as a general rule or selling out to Russia. And because he read so presidentially, maybe we could forget that he's such a fucking moron that he probably did forget all these things. And he probably did wonder why his good friend Shinzo Abe wasn't there and that French guy he doesn't like was there. Because he read so well, perhaps we could forget that while he was there, he was busy starting a fight with Mexico a few thousand miles away. Hey, everybody, here's a trivia question for you. Trump said that England was our number one trading partner when they're number seven. Anybody want to guess who our number one trading partner actually is? Oh, I know you didn't have to guess because you've been reading in the papers all week that it's Mexico, the country that Donald Trump is trying to start a trade war with. Well, as I go to record this show right now, it looks like we may have just avoided, just avoided the trade war by Mexico finally giving in and conceding to Donald Trump's demands. The negotiator-in-chief apparently got Mexico to agree to a deal that it had agreed to only months ago. Yes, that's right. Mexico, Donald Trump right now, I'm sure, is taking a celebratory tour and Fox News is talking about how great he was to beat the Mexicans at their own game and get what he wants. And that's why we hired this negotiator. But yes, Trump has gotten Mexico to accept something that they had already been willing to accept months ago. And as a result, he gets to declare victory and take his victory lap. God knows Trump needed the win. And obviously, his whole plan you know, making the vassals need to know their place. 
you know, the, the rest of the world, like Mexico, needing to bow down at Trump's feet like everybody. Well, oops, maybe the vassals aren't learning their place. But the good news is the vassals in America are busy remaining in theirs. And Trump had to cave here. Okay, that won't be the narrative if you're listening to right-wing radio or watching Fox News. But Trump caved here. And maybe part of the reason for that was because the Republican Party in Congress finally put their foot down. We finally learned what it took to get the Republicans to show a little bit of spine and say that they would not support this president. Sure, when he was caging children, he wouldn't lose their support. When he was impoverishing Americans and forcing Americans to pay for his hissy little fits of a trade war, well, they still had his back then. What was different this time? What was different this time is this was affecting big corporate donors. The stuff we get from Mexico is used by big U.S. corporations to sell products to Americans. And you don't fuck with Republican donors. You can put children in cages, but Republicans have to draw a line somewhere. What was interesting also to look at this whole story is the extent to which, while for Trump this was all about winning, Let's be clear that for America, we needed to lose. Certainly, we, being the President of the United States, needed to lose on this. Does that make me unpatriotic? It does not. Why? Because we're wrong on this one. We are wrong under international law. We are wrong under international decency. You don't treat refugees this way. Trump, of course, trying to make Mexico stop allowing any refugee to get to the U.S. border to ask for asylum from murder, starvation, all the stuff they might have been fleeing. For humanitarian reasons, it's a good thing that we lost. We are reminded, as Nicholas Kristof did in in an op-ed in the New York Times recently, as we look at this and as we talk about our being superior and these people should leave us alone, that many of these people are trying to get here because they are desperate and dying because of climate change. Because the impact of climate change, which is created primarily by whom? By Americans, who think that we have a God-given right to inflict pain on the rest of the world and not have it come back and have to deal with it ourselves, because that ultimately is what we are talking about here. As the administration just today continued to show that it is escalating its efforts to hide climate change, not hide the effects of climate change, but hide from Americans its actual existence. Let's make those people fleeing Central America from drought and famine in Central America. Let's hide them from Americans who want to buy our big SUVs, who want to buy our products and build our McMansions and not in any way, shape or form have to pay the price of what we are actually inflicting on other people. But perhaps I'm being unfair. I may be being unfair to the Trump administration. I'm not recognizing their goodness because while the president was overseas, we saw from our government that, and here's a quote from Health and Human Services, promoting the dignity of human life from conception to natural death is one of the very top priorities of President Trump's administration. That was a statement put up. I'm going to stop for a second. You know, one of the problems with not doing the show in front of a live, live audience is I probably step all over my laugh track. Uh, I never know when to stop to let you guys laugh so you don't miss part of the show. So 
Yeah, you might take a few moments. You should have settled down now for your laughing at the fact that Health and Human Services is talking about this president giving a crap about promoting the dignity of human life. But there's more here. The reason they had to say this was because the administration has basically ended fetal tissue studies. They're done at the National Institute of Health, where most of them are being done, as part of sharp cuts overall to the use of fetal tissue in studies. Let's be clear, this has nothing to do with promoting the dignity of life. This doesn't do anything to combat abortion. Fetal tissues cannot, t- fetal tissue cells can, from abortions cannot be used already in federal research. These are the product of what otherwise would be thrown into the garbage. That's right. Donald Trump has protected the dignity of human life to not become part of important scientific research, but instead to get thrown into the garbage. This isn't about promoting the dignity of life. This, of course, is about appealing to fucking assholes as just about everything in the Trump administration is. As the University of California, San Francisco chancellor pointed out, they will be strongly affected by this. The decision was politically motivated, short-sighted, and not based on sound science. Sound science? Maybe I should wait for a few minutes so that somebody can look it up for the President of the United States or any Republican that might have actually come across this show by mistake. Because... When they talk about political motivated, short-sighted, and not based on sound science, millions of Trump supporters across this country rise up as one to say, duh, okay, it will devastate crucial medical research, according to other experts. It will make millions of sick people suffer and die needlessly. You know, like Republicans' effort to deny health care to sick people, although to be fair, in the Republicans' defense, that still would be a natural death if you d- die of a disease that would otherwise be cured. So I guess technically they're right. Donald Trump does care about the dignity of life until natural death. Just, you know, an early natural death for some. And let's not forget before we leave to point out that this is coming from Alex Azar's department. Alex Azar, the head of Health and Human Services, you might recall from a show many weeks back that Alex Azar, before he became the Secretary of Health and Human Services, was the guy who helped bury the case against the serial child molester and child sexual trafficker and rapist in Florida, who also happened to be a Republican donor. Yeah, dignity of life. Republican style. Anyway, that's our show. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back at you soon. In the meantime, rest easy knowing that the President of the United States is back home protecting us. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 